and you're listening to the Independence News Hour on WBAI Radio in New York. I'm John Tarleton, the Indies Editor-in-Chief. I'm also here with my colleague and co-host, Amber Gagarian. And we, as we turn to our next segment, uh, we have some really great news. On Thursday, the HALT Solitary Confinement Act passed with supermajorities in the New York State Legislature. Governor Andrew Cuomo has 10 days to sign the act because of the supermajority. And advocates are excited about this because, um, and they've been pushing for this for a long time, uh, all the way back to 2012. And the act will put humane limitations on the use of solitary confinement in New York so it will no longer fall under definitions of torture. No person will be held in solitary for more than 15 consecutive days or for a total 20 days in a total of 20 days in any 60-day period. Now, of course, uh, still need Governor Cuomo to sign this or, or face a override from the legislature. And though this is a win for advocates and victims, uh, there's still a lot of concerns about how thoroughly it will be enforced inside the jails and prisons. And getting to the passage of HALT Solitary Act took a lot of negotiating changes uh, with legislators and groups uh, that that have a stake in the in the jails and the prisons and here to speak with us about this issue is Akeem Browder brother of the late Khalif Browder and founder of the Khalif Browder Foundation Khalif Browder took his own life after spending 3 years at Rikers Island in and out of solitary awaiting trial because he couldn't afford bail while facing the charge of stealing a backpack a charge that was eventually dropped Khalif was 16 years old when he was arrested Akeem, thank you so much for joining us this evening on WBAI Radio. Thanks for having me. Can you hear me? Yes, we uh, we can hear you fine. Uh, so the supporters of, of solitary confinement say that it decreases violence in jails and prisons, but studies have shown that its victims struggle with high recidivism rates and onsets of psychosis. Uh, we know that you have a very personal re- relationship with this reality can you tell us about the current use of solitary confinement in New York and how long a person might be confined? Of course. So current, currently, uh, the best way to describe it and the only words that need to be said, it's considered by the government torture tactic. And so to have torture uh, to people who are uh, accused of a crime, but they are innocent until proven guilty, uh, to allow that to happen to human beings uh, should right off the bat be the first thing that's understood that this is for torture. So that means you're subjugated to being tortured while innocent until proven guilty just because you cannot afford bail uh, and to get out of it. <clears throat> now, uh, the current use, how they use it, <clears throat> not just as a tactic, uh, a torture tactic, but the, the time constraints, there are none. So while you're in solitary confinement, they could... Uh, extend your time if you talk. I mean, first of all, let's talk about how you can get in. You you can literally just talk back to an officer and that's considered uh, a a violation. And so you can end up in solitary confinement. They also say it's for your safety. Now, that's questionable because you can go into solitary confinement without any mental illnesses like Khalif, uh, my youngest brother, uh, and end up coming out of there with uh, unbelievable amount of mental illness. And um, so as it is currently, how long can someone spend in solitary consecutively so, or on and consecutively, off? Consecutively, we have people that's done 
40 years. I mean, what they would do is uh, while you're in solitary confinement, they will give you an infraction to make you last, uh, stay in there longer. So before you're, say, 30 days or up, you could get sentenced to a one year uh, in, in solid. It's indefinite because as long as they use terms like for your own safety, as long as they say that you were uh, being hostile, uh, they can then continue on this kind of treat, inhumane treatment. Uh, and so uh, the, the, the listeners should really understand that there is no parameter. Uh, there aren't any rubrics for how it's, or it's, it's being, uh, I guess, u- utilized. And they say it's for, uh, the officers say it's their only form of uh, control. Uh, so that means, I mean, a, a system like the Department of Corrections has the duty for care, custody, and control. Um, that's what their three-word their three word motto is, care, custody, and control. And the way they get their control is by force and torture. That should not be for any human being. Right. And, and in theory, um, you know, this Halt Solitary Act will um, sort of put parameters onto how long people can be held. Um, but are there many rooms for loopholes in, in this act and, and room for gaps in interpretation um, or discrepancies in the way that jail staff will be applying these rules? So that's the first thing with any bill, uh, since it's passed for the entire state of New York, uh, and it will be, uh, Governor Cole basically has no, uh, no option. Uh, we have a supermajority vote, so it will have to get passed. And if he doesn't want to do it, oh, well, we can still veto his veto uh, or override his veto, if, if I should say it right. Uh, but uh, getting to uh, the actual use. Now, once the bill is passed for any bill that's passed, the state of New York, all of its pro- um, provisions and uh, counties, uh, its cities, they have the right to uh, interpret the bill as they see fit interpretation is what kills us. Uh, Unless you have an advocacy group or an ordinance, a city ordinance and agency that is overseeing the use. Now we could find out uh, with uh, raise the age bill, the bill raise the age that was a part of passing. uh, We could find out that they are, they are using the bill, uh, uh, still putting youth into uh, adult facilities. And when we find out then we have to hold them accountable. Now, for raise, uh, for uh, halt, uh, halt solitary, we're going to have to hold them accountable, and that's what we're uh, pushing to do by having uh, one of the uses uh, or stopping on the use of solitary is having organizations like the Colleague Brother Foundation in these jails doing the therapeutic treatment so that we can have a hand in and an eye uh, over the staff so that when we see something, we could say something. Now, that doesn't say if, if we're not there, how do we know how long they're keeping them there? If they, if, if, an, if a detainee or an inmate uh, decides to, or is capable of getting a message out, well, then that's how we're going we're to find out. We need oversight. Right. And, and um, a couple of questions. First of all, do you have any data on, on how many uh, people experience solitary confinement inside New York prisons and jails, say, in the course of a year? Well, I wouldn't have it on the uh, state of New York, no. Um, and per year, I mean, they're, they're, uh, Rikers Island, is flu- it fluctuates. Uh, and so uh, they, they could actually say that, uh, so for, for purposes, like financial purposes, to keep someone in jail, period, 
And this was something that was brought up uh, through the Wall Street Journal that uh, the Department of Corrections has the high, uh, has used uh, the highest ever uh, budget in uh, keeping some uh, a person uh, in New York City jails, which is at $337,524. Now, that's what they're reporting for general population. Now, for solitary confinement, I actually found that it's an additional 40000 And so to use additional uh, additional funds to put people in a uh, inhumane treatment in the first place, it, it's just the taxpayers is going to have to pay this. Uh, and we don't want to. And so this is what advocacy looks like. Now, statistically, how many people go in? Well, Rikers Island at any time has their, uh, their beds uh, in the year 2017 had their beds full. Uh, but that's Rikers Island. That's one jail. And, I mean, Rikers Island can house, uh, I think it's 23,000 people. Right. And what was it like to go through the, the process of uh, negotiating with legislature, legislators in, in both the Assembly and the State Senate? And how much influence uh, does the uh, correctional officers' unions, uh, uh, both here in the city and, and statewide, how much power did they wield in these negotiations? And, yeah, if you can just kind of describe the whole process of kind of how the sausage was made. Yeah, it, it's, it's really a manipulative process. Uh, because the the words that the terminology they use is, you know, these are animals. These are not your average New Yorkers. Or uh, they use terms that dehumanize the people that are in jail. Uh, and then they, uh, they say that these are murderers. These are rapers. These are people who you don't want in your community. Now, when you use terms like that, the average New Yorker doesn't actually hear what these people are in jail for. They can they can manipulate how, uh, how they and, uh, manipulate the wording so it could seem like these people are just dangerous. But first of all, what they say on the floor then gets uh, we we advocate and we we uh, fight against it by teaching lobbying to elected officials like um, Senator Aubrey uh, or Assemblyman Aubrey um, and and Jamal Bailey and uh, you know on the Senate side and an assembly we actually were holding all throughout. I mean. Every, this is not just last year. We've been fighting for to end solitary confinement for, for decades. When I got in this, it was actually in 2010. And so we've been fighting to end solitary confinement for so long that, um, you know, we, we go through different elected officials to teach them uh, what solitary confinement really means, what it, um, what it does to a person men, uh, mentally, emotionally, physically, and spiritually. Like we, we're, we're actually breaking a person down, desensitizing them. Um, but then uh, by teaching it to them, we, we hope that they can then bring what we taught them to the floor, to the Senate floor, to the Assembly floor, uh, so that they can uh, push for why we want this bill passed. What that's like is tedious, the kind of negotiations that take place uh, that we don't want to negotiate. Actually, I remember and I can recall when we first started this, we were saying no negotiations. We don't want to negotiate. This is considered inhumane by the standard of the United States government. So if it's considered inhumane, then you shouldn't be doing it. But the city of New York, the officers union, uh, the correctional officers union say, we have to use this because these people are dangerous and they are harmful to themselves, harmful to the other inmates and harmful to the staff. But it, it's not always true. Look at Khalif. He's just one. Look at Leilene Polanco. 
Look at Bradley Ballard. Look at all the people who have died due to solitary confinement, and then look at their case. They weren't dangerous people. So it just, it, it takes a little bit to unravel the things that Republicans, because I'm going to say for sure, these are, uh, it's not all Republicans, but all Republicans basically say, uh, it's not only Republicans, I should say, it's some, uh, it's all Republicans and some Democrats that would actually push against. But I mean, it, it, it just takes a little bit of research to show that you're actually lying. Why would you lie to the American public? And I think it's because of the dollar. The amount right. now, it costs to house them per year. Right. Now, of course, mo- most people would never in a million years want to be a prison guard. And so it does seem like there's sort of a, a built-in deference when they come forward with their uh, what you know point of view or their arguments of like, you know, I'm in danger. Obviously, most people would not want to be in their position to, to start with. Um, it, I mean, it seems like a pretty miserable job. Um, so, th- I mean, that does seem to be you know, part of the dynamic here. But also in terms of the dynamic, what was it like dealing with the Cuomo administration? I mean, you, you made a lot of headway uh, with the legislature, but what, what was the uh, attitude of the Cuomo administration? So, I mean, we we tried several different ways, and it never worked. So I'm going to tell you, like, we, we, we tried to put it statistically uh, and show that we have 97% of the people in the prison population uh, that are black uh, people uh, in solitary confinement, majority. So we have them 49, actually, I'm, so, I'm sorry, I said it wrong. It's 49.5% uh, of black people are in uh, solitary confinement. Then you have 24.1% uh, that are uh, uh, Hispanic um, that are in solitary confinement. Uh, we are predominantly the ones that make up solitary confinement. And the reason for that, uh, for it, for approaching it that way um, to the Cuomo administration is to say, hey, we're bringing statistics because we don't really think that you care on a human level, level, or she wouldn't have been doing it. You wouldn't have, uh, you would have stopped this. But then we had to bring it uh, financially to show how much it, it's costing New Yorkers. Uh, right, and um, we. Sorry to cut you off. We have just a couple more minutes here, but um, we actually found that it's about you know that this this act would save 132 million annually to New York State because of how much it costs to keep people in solitary. So there's a lot of reasons um, why solitary has got to go. Speaking of which, you are a part of a coalition to pass legislation that would actually totally abolish solitary confinement. Um, so in, in a minute, tell us about that and, and why that's really what the goal is here. Well, the goal is, even though uh, we're, we're working with uh, to get it sponsored by the Senate and the Assembly, now that we have this bill that is being passed for the state, we want to abolish solitary confinement completely in the city of New York because we don't have uh, in Rikers Island, they are not, they're innocent until proven guilty. So these are people who are potentially like Khalif, who shouldn't even be in there in the first place. Regardless of their behavior, you could find other methods, other ways, and, uh, and stop the people from spending, uh, or the people on the streets, our tax dollars, from going to a, a, a torture um, containment or a torture cell. And so <clears throat> we're pushing for this to, uh, to actually get passed in New York to abolish it completely. All right. Akeem Browder, thank you so much for joining us today to uh, share your perspective on this a big victory in Albany. And, you. Uh, you know, we'll continue to follow this story and all, all the way until we see solitary completely abolished.
Thank you. Okay, so that uh, wraps it up for today's uh, show. Thanks to Sue Brisk for her help as well. And we'll be back same time next week. Uh, Please remember to sign up to become a WBAI member at 516-620-3602 or by going straight to give2wbai.org. Again, that number, 516-620-3602. And as we uh, leave our listeners, uh, we leave our listeners today with Falling Rain by Link Ray. We hope you have enjoyed uh, these first sunny days of spring, because tomorrow's going to be, well, it's going to be a little bit more on the rainy, drippy side of things. But it's been great being with you again, and we'll be back next week. It's going through my brain. I hear talk of people. I feel the falling rain. I see a man crying. I'll let you